Welcome back to Real Talk with Rio and Murph, the most niche podcast on the internet. This week's sponsor is War. What is it good for? Okay, Murph, we're, uh, what are we, about a couple of weeks into uh, round 28? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, we're right in the thick of things now. And, uh, you know, One Realm has just basically been constantly at war the entire time. So it's it's actually awesome to see, especially in a, in a war game, right? That's what you want to see. But yeah, so just going back to my sponsors, and uh, can you tell me, uh, with this war, what is it good for? I would say with this one, you know, probably doing some damage on some converters. And how would you say the uh, the realm makeup uh, for the uh, for realm five? How's that influence the decisions to go to war? Was it? Would you think it's preemptive or uh, just a happy accident or just pre round strategy just paying off? I know for us it was just you know basically we were just kind of in there. And these other folks showed up and we were just like, okay, this is our plan for the round. You know, what do you guys want to do? And they're like, well, as long as you guys are always at war, you know, we'll fit in nicely. Cause all we want to do is just, you know, destroy people's rounds with black ops. So we're like, okay, cool. Let's just see how that works. Right. Because usually what that means is you have, like, you know, very inexperienced people that are just going to go, you know, tits up and just get invaded constantly. Right. Just cause they're never going to have enough defense. And it has, I guess, happened a couple of times with the smaller ones. Um, but they all seem to be still still in the mix. Yeah, it's been pleasant to see. You know, it's like, hey, this is the top OP out there, or this is the the OP that you want to look out for in your range. So just be cautious of it. And you know, if you could train up to that, that'd be great. You know, just defend yourselves the best you can, right? That's it. Yeah, you don't want to be giving any freebies away to uh, to your rivals. But yeah, so for choice of wars, right? It's just been kind of you know, relatively straightforward, you know, like obviously initially who's the, you know, who's the round or who's the realm that's going to give you the stiffest competition for competing for the top spot, go after that realm. Right. And then if there's no other targets that you really need to deal with, like, you know, any wrestlers don't even, don't even worry about those guys. They're non-existent pretty much at this point. So you just go after, you know, things that are going to cause you problems down the line. Like, like what we talked about last round, we're like, you know, you have to, look at these guys or else they're going to take the win from you at the end. Right. And what did we see last round with, you know, hours left in the round? It's exactly what happened. Right. Yeah. I guess last round we were, neither of us were confident at all that they would hold it off. Um, but I guess the fact that they, they did come close in the end to, to actually keeping the, the win, the, the fast attack is it kind of gives you a bit of confidence that if you are more proactive and set yourselves up a little bit differently, it gives you a much stronger chance of, of holding everyone off well and this with this one right like we're not going you can kind of see the difference here right they went all in four eggs in the basket for fast attacking right and slow the round down deliberately right and then put the crunch in mid-round and then you know see if they have enough gas in the tank to last to day 50 right here it's more of a scorched earth policy i'll, I'll say right it's like okay you know your ass is in the wind well, we're going to go after it. You know what I mean? You better have good ratios and you better protect yourself or else we're coming, right? And how would you say uh, the success has been against people? Because presumably it's no secret what you're doing anymore. So you'd think most people would have either decent ratios or the right buildings. And have you found different targets? Have had different um, 
success rates with the with the defense? Like, there's been a couple of people where it looked as though you were going for snares or or something like that that didn't quite pull off. Well, yeah, sometimes you know if you can't get the snare through, then you just move on to plan B, right? Like we have basically like four different plans every war, right? It's like, okay, this is the first approach. Okay, if that's not working, let's phase in this other thing or hey, this guy has ratios, okay, great, did his realm No, okay, great, well, let's go after him, right? Yeah, it's been working, so kudos. Well, yeah, if you just look at the Black Ops ranks, right, I think those guys and some other people in the realm are, like, top five in almost every single category, right? Okay, so we're now joined by Sly, a longtime player and a member of uh, a few different committees for Dominion um, currently and in the past. Uh, Sly, do you want to just kind of give a, a quick introduction and uh, talk about your, your background in the game? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Murph and Rio. It's great to be on the podcast and great to be speaking with the whole community. I love what you guys are doing with this podcast and hope it continues for a long time. Uh, as Rio said, I am an inaugural member and former member of the Gameplay Committee, inaugural and permanent member of the Rules Committee. I did play a bit of Classic when I was a kid. Um, I think I first linked up with the community beginning in around, roughly around 50, so I'm actually, I don't have as much experience as some of the better players, um, but I was pretty active in the community following uh, right about round 50 and then obviously been very active in Open Dominion trying to help move us in the right direction, so... Great to be here. You notice that, Rio? He called us uh, better players. I, I don't think he specified us, but I, I, I'll take that nod. Well, I mean, I think it's all about results, right? And um, while I don't have maybe as much time as some of the uh, you know, better players, I think there is certainly probably a skill gap. Um, I th well, I would say that I think a lot of players could compete, but maybe you know, time is a very significant factor and activity is a significant factor in terms of success. Um, so some rounds I am more active, some rounds I'm not. Uh, but obviously, I think plenty of players can be capable of winning if they can commit the time. But certainly, the experience is a, a significant factor in terms of doing well. And I guess if you're talking about results, then you probably weren't talking about Murph previously. You know, you didn't even win a round until Open Dominion, all right? You remember that? Yeah, but I've had a couple since then. Oh, you tied for one. Which is harder to do than winning it by yourself. Well, he, he just won his ice kin. Yeah, that's the one That's the one I can give him, is the ice kin one. I'll take it. Long overdue. So you mentioned you were part of the, uh, the gameplay committee um, for a while and, and part of the rules committee still. So what are your um, what are your feelings on well first of all actually with, with the rules committee, what does that entail um, throughout the round? Yeah, so great question and I think it's an important point to talk about for the community because I'm not sure not hundred percent sure that the community fully understands what we do either. Um, so my initial concept for these committees, both of them Really, and the, and the huge goal, really important goal, is to take away responsibilities from FET 
not that he's not capable of doing it, he's more than capable of doing it, but the development role is vitally important for Open Dominion, and I have enough experience in other communities with other games, helping manage other games, that you really don't want your developer to get burnout. And so, you know, in life, some things give us energy, they fuel us, and some things, some activities really drain our energy. And I think with FET, and maybe Murph can speak to this, I don't know him quite as well as Murph does, um, but I think I can see pretty clearly that, you know, the activities that, that give him energy are, you know, developing the game and playing the game, obviously, and what drains his energy is having to manage people, having to deal with rules kind of stuff, having to manage the gameplay community, you know, the sort of the more annoying responsibilities that are associated with managing the gameplay committee. I, I don't want him to have to do all of that by himself. And I think it's really important for the community to step up and take responsibility for certain things that we can do, right? Because not all of us can code. Not all of us can do, you know, every activity. But there are certain things that the community can do and I think should do. And, and the rules committee and the gameplay committee are two areas where absolutely community members can step up um, the Rules Committee specifically, it's all about making sure that the integrity of the game uh, is, is held sound and solid. Um, we, obviously, we've had a lot of issues in the past with Dominion Classic, and you know, Ross's enforcement was uh, <laughs> selective at times, as everybody knows. But I think we're trying to do better here. We've come a long way. And um, so that, I think that's the primary goal of the Rules Committee, and I'll pause there. Yeah, and I would say for Cody, right, so that's FET. Um, you know, nobody likes herding cats 100% of the time, right? Herding cats is a chore for anybody. And, you know, speaking to him, you know, a lot, right, I would say he loves the developing side and the create the creative side of that too, right? Like coming up with different concepts for like say the tech tree right or infamy and stuff like that right just the creative side of bringing new elements to the game that he thinks would improve the player's experience yeah absolutely so uh, i think taking away duties that he doesn't get energy from and giving it to community members uh to deal with such as myself is a really healthy thing, and it really prolongs and increases the quality of the game. Oh, go ahead. Who's all, uh, who's all on the uh, rules committee there with you? Yeah, so it's really, honestly, at this point, SOZ is kind of a little bit inactive. So it's really just me, Fett, and Yami. And to be totally candid with you, it's, it's mostly me who does the grunt work of actually looking at the data, um, for example, I spent probably up to maybe six or eight hours looking at data at the end of last round, which I don't really want to get into that, but um, I had to look at a lot of data at the end of last round. Um, so it's really me trying to initiate investigations. Obviously, we receive reports, and we all three of us look into them regularly. So please, you know, if you, if you see something, use the report feature at the bottom right hand of the in-game page. It does help us, um, and we do look at every single one of them. Uh, but it's really us three looking at these reports and then kind of me diving into the actual nitty-gritty data of, of every um, more serious allegation that we think has some merit. 
So like what kind of data do you really look at for your investigation? <laughs> so I, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, we have a lot more data than maybe most people think we do. Uh, we can see a lot about you know your dominion and when you do certain things and um, it, yeah, I don't want to give too much away because people will maybe behave differently if I do, but um, there's a lot of data that we can look at um, and, and try to get an idea of what people are doing and if they're breaking the rules. I think what you're saying there is that Murth needs to start getting a bit more nervous about his shenanigans. <laughs> I think Murph's, uh, Murph's uh, you know, towing the line and, and going into the gray area are not something that would show up in the in-game data. That's right. You got to stay out of the in-game data. So, you know, a lot of people are kind of curious, you know, like what are, if you could go into like, you know, levels of, of punishment, right? Because not all, you know, not all crimes fit into the exact same punishment, right? So if you could just go into some detail about, uh, you know, maybe an example of an offense and what the the appropriate punishment would be, you know, I think some people would be just kind of curious, just, you know, just give some background on that type stuff, right? Uh, sure. So, uh, yeah, and that's part of the reason, that question is part of the reason why we created the FAQ page on the rules tab. Um, we have an examples sort of, not spreadsheet, but um, it is sort of a spreadsheet where you can look and see, and we categorize certain offenses as sort of more innocent offenses, um, and then the next level up would be offenses that are intentional but, but not malicious in nature, and then the third category is, the, you know, the offense was just plain malicious and needs to be dealt with uh, with the highest level of severity. So, I mean, I you know, we have people who... Um, I guess the easiest example would be um, logging into each other's accounts. Cross-logging is what it's called. So, you know, we have some, some new players who might do that, right? Especially if they're related or whatever. And they may not, for example, we've had people who have done that and honestly haven't even taken advantage of it, just did it for fun or didn't understand. And so, you know, our first step would just be to talk to those people and say, hey, look, this is not not legal, you can't do this, please don't do this, um, and try to make it clear to them. And oftentimes that's all we need to do. Uh, obviously, there's an intentional way to break that rule that, that does give you some advantage. You know, maybe it's in the same realm and not in opposite realms, and that would, to me, be intentional but not malicious. Um, and we would, we would deal with that with some sort of penalty, depending on the severity and, you know, how, how many times they did it, how abusive it was. Whereas the malicious one would be if someone did that in different realms, um, and you know clearly there would be other penalties associated and other rules broken associated with cross-logging in different realms, very likely, right? Then you're thinking of farm territory or something in that nature, so that would be malicious and very likely result in some sort of suspension. What's uh, What would you say is like the most, I guess, difficult investigation you guys have had to do so far to date? Mm -hmm. I think the most difficult one, unfortunately, was at the end of last round. Uh, as I said, I don't really want to go into that, but I spent a lot of time looking at the data, and honestly, I'm not—I'm still not 100% sure exactly what happened. I have my opinions, which I won't share. Um, but, but can you get, can you give any background? Because some people might not know what the heck you're talking about. Because honestly, right now, I'm trying to think of it too, and I'm like. I don't even know what you're talking about. 
Okay, sure. So we had an invasion at the end of last round by a troll that was basically a suicide and left him just the right amount of defense for the eventual round winner to hit him. It's, it's very clear that the round winner did not cheat in any way. Let me make that clear. Um, we're pretty confident of that. We're not as confident in what the troll did, but uh, I, I don't, I, we don't take action unless we can 100% prove something or have extreme confidence in the decision. You can't, you can't legislate like that. You can't ban somebody if you're like 70% sure they did something wrong. That's just not the way it works. So, you know, without saying more than that, it's, it's you know, the, the series of hits that led to the round outcome. And it is unfortunate that it is the round outcome. And we're, as I said, we're certain that worse didn't do anything wrong. So it's, it's kind of a difficult position for him to be in, right? How does he feel? It's really not fair to him, um, which is part of the issue. So I don't want to get into it much more than that, but that's the issue at hand. And I guess some people would be pretty surprised to even hear that there was an investigation because I personally, I had no idea. Well, you know, it was a big deal. They determined the round winner. So, yes, there was an investigation. Rio, did you know that? Yeah, it doesn't surprise me to hear that. Um, I, I think the, the point to make probably clear on that is you also can't punish people for making bad game decisions or suspect decisions that kind of go bad for them. Um, so if somebody does suicide at the end of, like I suicided at the end of round um, one round, and it really like came to my advantage because the, the the round was like locked down right after. Um, I that was more calculated on, on my part. Um, but if it wasn't, if you know, if I if I got destroyed after that, um, it would have just been a bad decision. Um, it still might need to be investigated, and and there's no reason why to why you couldn't say that the same thing happened on this with a the last kind of last minute suicide. Um, and, you know, it just uh, it did work out for the person and somebody else benefited. That can happen. So I think the decision to, to not take action is, is the right one. And, and there's no way you possibly could um, show intent on that anyway. Um, even though, even though there was a, a, a different effect to the round. Yeah, I would say like every round, you know, people make, you know, a series of bad decisions, right? Like many people make bad decisions and, you know, it is just the way of the game sometimes. And I think there's never been a round winner who didn't have some kind of fortunate hit along the way. Yeah, I think that's fair. Sometimes it's just, you know, the luck of the draw, right? When it comes down to it. Exactly, yeah. So just moving away from uh, from the rules um, rules committee, um, just wonder what your thoughts are on uh, on how things are, are balanced uh, in currently. If there's any kind of anything improvements wise that you'd like to uh, look at for the future. I know you've often talked about growing the player base. So, um, so what's your kind of your opinion on all of that? Oh, that's a lot of a lot of subjects, but it's a really good question, an important question. I think the balance is pretty good. I think what the gameplay committee is trying to do is pretty good. It's certainly understandable that we want to switch up the meta to keep things interesting. You know, we want to keep adding new mechanics to the game as long as they, you know, sort of flow with the existing classic mechanics that we all know and love. Um, I wouldn't have made, obviously agreed with every decision that the gameplay committee has made since I left it, but 
I think they've generally done a pretty good job um, and obviously hope that we continue along that route. One thing as far as gameplay on the gameplay side that I would like to see is, you know, really revamping how exploring works. It's a little bit of a crazy idea, I guess. Um, but I, I think we could make exploring more skill-based to give it the respect um, and the balance that it would, uh, you know, have as far as, um, you know, because a lot of players look at exploring and it's not fun and it's not really the same level of respect as attacking. And there's a reason for that, obviously. So I think if we made it skill-based, that would be something that would be really cool and it would give it that respect. Um, so we can talk a bit more about that. But I think generally it's, it's, I think we're in a good place. It's just, for me, growing the player base is the most important thing. Um, and it's going to solve a lot of problems in and of itself. So what, how do you see the easiest way of achieving that outcome? Sure. So growing the player base, I think you create another committee. Honestly, it's, it's the same thing. We don't want Fett to have to spend all of his time trying to create a marketing campaign, trying to advertise the game and do all of it himself. I think we have the people in the community who are capable of that, and we need to empower them to do it. Uh, we have creative people here who can make a marketing campaign and an advertisement. We have people here who have the monetary wherewithal to contribute to that campaign, um, and we need to ask them to do it. Uh, obviously, FET on the development side has the ability to finish the outreach programs that we've set up in Discord for new players to uh, you know, benefit from seeing that. Um, I think the most important one is the the one that would kind of walk them through how to play and what the different tabs of, of the game really do and explain those. So I think once that's done, it would be the perfect time to start marketing the game. Um, and it's really just about getting the people together who want to participate in that, gather the ideas and the people who would contribute, you know, raise the funds, and just create the campaign and get started. Uh, I think, to me, a realistic goal would be to try and get back to 300 regular players within the first you know, year of the campaign or so, and then continue to organically grow through newly interested players. Obviously, we'd have a significant turn and burn of new players who would try the game and don't stick with it, but I think that's perfectly healthy and should be expected, because even if we retain a, a fraction of those players, a fraction of percent of those players, we'll get... Over time, several hundred new players or even a thousand new players who end up sticking with it. And I think that's the direction we should head in. So what you're saying is basically we need a Don Draper to get a nice creative marketing campaign together here. Right? So you hear that, community? Let's get together here. Let's get, uh, let's get a committee formed here sooner rather than later. Right? And let's get ourselves a Don Draper and drive this thing home. Yeah, just thinking as well, the... Uh... I think an important point that you really touched on there is the new players coming in fresh to the game. It's such a steep learning curve. It really kind of takes, you know, like two or three rounds just to kind of get comfortable with what everything does. And um, it's so complicated. You really need to have kind of people walking you through how to play. Um, and I guess part of the problem is if you can't, you know, share accounts or almost like you need people to be able to really have a, a good way of, of talking someone through what each tab does, explain a lot of the things that are kind of quite useless, you know, like there's certain buildings that you don't need, there's buildings that you need certain percentages of, um, and I don't even know where, like, uh, 
where the employed pe- peasants and plat production and stuff, which are you know the two key elements of the game, where that's even explained, you know, where's where does that get explained first of all to people? Or do you just kind of to come across it somewhere? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's why those outreach tools are so important and could be so useful for new players. But ultimately, a big part of it also is the community itself. We have people who are able and willing to help others. We just need to get some new players here too so that they can help answer questions. You know, new players do join on occasion in the Discord and people are responsive. So I think we do have a pretty positive and healthy community as far as being willing to help others. And so that's only going to help us once we actually develop the the actual coding tools to be able to help them in game. You know, the combination of that and the community is is a huge benefit. Yeah, I think, you know, just, you know, farting in the wind here, right? Would just be like, you know, have like a you know, kind of like a big brother system where let's just say, you know, you have a pack, right? You have your pack of four to five to six players, whatever it's going to be next round. And then, you know, the big brother system could just maybe attach uh, a new player to you guys, like, you know, based on maybe time zone or, or language, right? Because, you know, we have a pretty big Pinoy community in here with us too, right? So, you know, maybe exploring something like that, you know, might uh, help retain some folks, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, anything like that was would be helpful. I mean, most games have a tutorial, right? So there's no reason why we can't have something like that. But uh, just like you said, I mean, we just need to get people here. We need to finish what we already know we need to do as far as the tutorial development features of the game. And I think we'll be moving in the right direction. I mean, you know, to, to be candid, we don't have that many people playing the game. So just having a few dozen active players initially more additional playing the game is a pretty decent difference and over time i really do think we'll get several hundred if not a thousand regular players which obviously is a, is a huge impact yeah because i know back in the day we used to have i think we did it one or two or three rounds we did like uh it was a draft basically right so you know you had like team captains and you just drafted your team whatever right of, of new players and uh, I know for me, as a as a team captain way back then, I drafted Fett Coats, right? So then uh, basically kind of got him into the game and, and uh, you know, got him really enjoying the different concepts and dynamics that he just didn't understand before, right? Because you go into it and you just, you know, you don't really understand the little, you know, nuances that exist everywhere, right? Absolutely right. And I, I think that's the important thing about bringing in new players. You know, I've recruited one um, specifically who has got, given us great feedback as far as, you know, how, how things look from a new pl- player's perspective. And, and that fresh perspective is pretty important because sometimes we have blinders on. You know, we know the game. We've played it for years. We've played round after round, sim after sim. Um, and, you know, we can't see things that don't make sense to a new player. But having that continuous stream of feedback also helps us improve the game, which in turn makes it better for a new player's experience. And so it's a, it's a positive cycle of reinforcement, I think. And I know for this round, right, so we have a brand spanking new crew in here with us. And I know us just kind of like walking them through different things has been really helpful. But also I noticed like just time zones lining up where you can kind of be active at the same time, right, is enormously helpful. 
right? So for them, right, they're obviously in the same same or close to time zone as us. So just kind of being around and able to answer questions at a timely basis, right? It it really helps speed up the learning process, right? So uh, I'll say this, right? I would not be surprised this round if we have a literally new player walking in and winning this round, right? I think that is in the realm of possibilities here. And that's awesome to hear. Yeah, and I think that's that could be a great outcome for the game too, right? You just walk in off the street and then boom, hey, you're the winner. Congrats, buddy, right? You know, that's awesome. Yeah, I'd just like to uh, to touch on something you, you were talking about there, Murph, as well. In terms of the way we did the draft in Dominion Classic, um, I think sometimes it, it worked, sometimes it didn't. And I think it's probably good, not just for new players, but it might be something that we should probably look at um, doing again in the in future rounds, just to kind of mix up packs a little bit, because I think the realm assignment stuff is a really good way to blend and, and mix and, uh, and kind of balance things out. But I think it'd be quite interesting again if if people did just do, especially if you know packs are getting uh, increased to you know five or six players, trying some kind of concept like that again. Um, just to completely mix up the player base so you're not just uh, playing with the same group uh, round after round, especially if it's just for, you know, like one or two rounds. Yeah, you know, and that would probably play into the idea of having different kind of rule sets, right? We could have, because I know there's talks about, you know, improving rule sets, tech rule sets, and basic, right? We could even throw in, a, you know, a draft rule set where it's like, okay, you know, the community... I guess votes on who the captains will be, right? And then you have a list of players who'll be playing that round, right? And then you can just go in there and, you know, you get a random draft spot and you're like, okay, I'll, I'll draft this person. And then you just like a snake draft, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it'd be a fun little uh, idea to try out again. I think we've kind of reached a point where, um, where we can probably do that at some point as well. And and like I said, it's, it's probably good to, yeah as well as newer players, just, you know, people that have been around for a few rounds but maybe they've not played near the top or have much of an insight into how things work at the top. Um, it can just really spread a lot of the knowledge and, and increase the ability of, uh, of a lot of people at the same time. Yeah, I think Oment would definitely have to be a team captain. Well, if he is, then I am, so we don't have to play together again. <laughs> I know, Sly, what are, what are your thoughts on all this? Well, it's obviously a pretty appealing idea just in terms of it being interesting, but from someone who mostly just randoms every round, for me personally, it's been very hit and miss. Um, so out of the last four rounds, excluding this round, I've basically abandoned three of them. And the fourth of those rounds was when I landed with you and you won. Of course, I didn't really hardly have time to play that round because I got married and went on a honeymoon. In the during that round, so it's been very hit or miss. I've landed with, you know, two decent teams now this round and in in that round, obviously with you guys winning. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, but to be honest, the other three rounds were pretty, pretty awful, and that's why I, you know, really didn't see any reason to continue playing. Pretty inactive chats or completely inactive chats in two of those three. Um, so it's very hit or miss for a random player, I think. Uh, I know we've gotten some positive feedback from other randoms, so I guess it just kind of depends. But something like that is pretty interesting, at least to try out or for a round or two. Yeah, because I think the interesting thing there with your draft, right, is you're essentially drafting your realm, 
So you're going to guarantee some level of discourse will be happening in that realm, right? So that's the that's the huge takeaway is the social element. Yeah, exactly. Especially if you got kind of and with a with a smaller play base anyway, we probably know most of the names involved, um, and you can also track back a lot more easily um, people's records and everything, and you can get a feel for for how um, how often people are online, where you know what time zones, all that kind of stuff. Um, Maybe it's something we should actually just uh, bring up and, and talk to people about more openly. Yeah, I mean, and there's, what, 15 realms? So you have, like, 15 captains, right? Or you could slim it down to, you know, 10 to 12 captains and just have bigger realms. Um, but uh, I think for a social aspect, it would definitely make things a lot more fun for the average randomer. That's that's for sure. So maybe we should see what the uh, what the feedback is when, when this goes out. That's always positive, right? Generally, there's generally a pretty good reception for most of the ideas that we do discuss on here. That's if people are still listening. Well, yeah, that's true, right? But I'll, I'll say this for the statistics for the for the podcast channel, right? Is we get on average, this is the average, right? Is uh, every podcast we get on average about eighty people that listen to it 90% of the way, right? So so that's pretty good. It's actually really good. Wow. And hardly any complaints. Yeah, most of the complaints are just uh, Rio's accent, really just trying to understand what he's saying, you know? Yeah, even that was saying I, I'm pronouncing words wrong. But moving on to the heroes thing, and this is something that I want to see happen soon, right? is let's get some heroes out there. Let's get, you know, some bonuses for these heroes, right? And, uh, you know, let's get this hero system unfolded, unboxed, right? And get it out there so people can have fun with that. Because I think it's a nice little, you know, element to your dominion, right? It's having that unique hero. And maybe we could have, like, a cool dynamic where you can name them whatever you want, right? Minus expletives, usually, right? Yeah, it's been talked about for, for quite a while, hasn't it? So, um I always thought it was a, a decent concept. I, I never really thought it was too badly abused. You know, the, I guess the question of having some random factor in it, people didn't like if the bonuses got, got really high. But I don't think it was too bad, apart from when there were rounds where, you know, like the the LDA strategy was working. So people could make, you know, 100 attacks and have a bunch of high-level heroes. So maybe just a few little um, tweaks to, to how it's done. But I'd be... Um, I'm looking forward to it coming back. What yeah, do you what do you think, Sly? So heroes is a topic I get excited about. Um, I think maybe you've seen, maybe you haven't, but I I put forward a heroes rework idea quite a while ago. I know Fett really liked it. I know a lot of other people really liked it. I think Sharky was actually working on, you know, some sort of modification to my idea. Um, but my idea was basically to completely rework heroes because I know a lot of people had some issues with how they worked in the past. Uh, it was kind of tedious and it w didn't really add a whole lot to the game that people wanted to put into this iteration of Dominion. So, I mean, the general goal for me for a hero's rework would be to add almost an RPG-like mechanic to the game to give people some interesting choices about what to do with their hero, which would... Uh, they'd have a hero at the start, they'd pick a class at the start, um, you'd have unlockable titles just for fun and titles that would be unlocked based on your Dominion's title, if you had a title. 
So in my iteration, there'd be four classes um, that have a, a passive bonus and offer different bonuses based on what you pick, but it'd be a smaller passive bonus um, and you'd level up certain perks at different levels um, and you'd get experience based on what you do with your hero. So there's some interesting choices here to be made. Um, I think the actions you'd be able to take for your hero is obviously you could send him out on attack uh, with, your, with your troops, of course, for invasions. But I also think it'd be interesting if you could dedicate them to, you know, helping you with black ops and having them, uh, you know, reduce your passive bonus for a while to increase your ability to do black ops or explore and or etc. So on and so forth, um, and that would grant you experience. Um, so, for example, if you chose a class that is geared toward an attacking style then you would get full experience from sending your hero out on invasion. Whereas you could still send your hero out to explore or dedicate time to black ops or whatever, but he would only get, for example, half experience or something like that. So he's still leveling up, he's still useful, um, but you, you know, your class would be the determining factor of what style you want to go. Um, and so different levels would unlock different perks. And to me, perks would be divided between what I called gear and abilities. So each hero would have at most maybe two or three abilities. Uh, abilities would tend to be something that a Dominion could activate and last a certain number of hours, whereas gear would be a permanent passive buff of some kind. And I think for me, the really interesting thing about doing it this way would be you could create a page in the game where you know, newer players could look at it and you know, see a, an actual person on the screen and you know, kind of play with how they look and what they're called and... You know, there's a lot of choice there, which I think is really interesting, and people like a lot of different branches based on how many perks we decide to have and how many different ways you could do it. Like in my iteration, for example, um, you know, some perks were class-specific, whereas some perks are shared, and so there's different branches you could do, and you could change direction mid-round, just depending on how your round is going, how you want to change your dominion. So there's a lot of different possibility for choices there, and I think that's the really interesting aspect of uh, potential heroes where we work. And you mentioned, like, uh, you know, how they look. So are you envisioning, like, uh, like kind of like playing dress-up with, like, an elf or something, like, visual where it's, like, you can actually see what or design what your hero looks like, and you can, like, upload it and be very customizable, right, to your... Yeah, I don't know, your clear sight page, your status page, right? So that when people get a clear sight of you, they also get like a, a a view of what your hero looks like or something like that. Is that kind of what you're touching on or am I just out to lunch here? No, no, not a little bit. I mean, what, what, whatever people want, right? It's, it's just about what the community wants. I do think that there should be a visual element, though. I think that that does interest people. I don't know about dress up, but, um, you know, the gear aspect specifically uh, I think people would be interested in, you know, leveling up their, their gear and making their hero look a little cooler, especially if it does also affect their dominion. Um, and it'd also be an easy way for people to see what the bonuses are without having to, like, hover over a tooltip or something. You just know, oh, he's got, oh, you know, that piece of gear, so he's got the bonus. Stuff like that, I think, is is pretty interesting. Like, you give your hero a fanny pack. <laughs> if you really want, Murph, you can give your hero a fanny pack, sure. My hero is definitely going to have Ray-Bans and a fanny pack. 
What about you, Rio? What's your hero going to be wearing? Uh, well, being uh, having the arrogance that I do, I, I'd pretty much model them after myself. So, um, well, I, I was about to lie and say six pack, but uh, <laughs> washboard abs, right? Minus the abs. He'll be exactly yeah. He'll, he'll be lying back on the on a recliner. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty cool, right? I think that'd be a nice little element, you know, where people can have like a customizable you know, design that they could do themselves, right? Because there's a lot of creative people in the community, right? So I'm sure there's some artists out there that would love that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the really important thing is about giving people strategic choices of what to do with their heroes, because in Classic, at least most of the, you know, heroes play that I work with was mostly, you know, there wasn't as much choice where it was kind of RNG, did your hero live, did it level up, you know, stuff like that. Whereas... I think we want it to be a little bit more strategic than that, a little more, more creative than that. And I think, you know, the visual piece of that is just just a bit of gravy on top if we can do that. Obviously, I wouldn't want to go overboard on the visual stuff. It would kind of take away from the rest of the game. People might ask, why is this so visual and everything else is not? But you know, I think a little bit of visuals would add to the game. Yeah, and I think it starts to appeal to, you know, other people as well. Um, I, I think you're right. It, it starts to be more of a fun kind of interactive piece as well for, for newer players who might just be, you know, not getting completely into the strategic game-winning part of it, um, but more just kind of like the, the lore and the, you know, like using units, trying to like come up with different ways to actually get something out of the game. So I like, I like it. it. Well, yeah, and just kind of like looking back, right, like through the through the nineties, right? Like, you know, there's that phase where, you know, everybody had to have like a Yamaguchi or whatever. Right. And you had to like feed that thing. Right. You remember? And you could kind of like see a pixelated version of this thing and, Oh, it's beeping at me. I got to, you know, feed it a banana or whatever it is. Right. So, you know, that caught on like hotcakes. Right. And there's like tens of millions of people that, you know, caught onto that and you couldn't even really see it. It's just like a pixelated mess. that You just had to push a button to feed. Right. So, you know, I, I could see that bringing in players just because it's a, you know, a nice creative aspect to it, too, that I don't know if any other real text-based game has that, you know, that creative, customizable side of things, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't play any other games um, other than this, so um, so I don't really know what's out there, but um, I, I really like the idea. I like the concept of it, so um, hopefully something like this can, can be brought in. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people did have a lot of interest in in some type of heroes we work. You know, what that results in, I think we should have a conversation with the community about it and sort of gather feedback. I know Sharky was, as I said, already kind of working on something, uh, so maybe we should check in with him and see how that's going. But I think that would excite people. And As long as we're adding an element to the game that's, you know, a bit refined and isn't upsetting the balance too much, I think people can be excited about that. You hear that, Sharky? We're calling you out, buddy. Get on it. You're on the clock. So, Sly, what uh, what are your you know kind of impressions on the round here so far, and you know what are some of your takeaways from what you're seeing? It's been interesting. Um, maybe not as exciting as some people would like, but I think it's been kind of what I expected going in. You know, it's it's a heavily explorer, maybe converter round. Um, I think what Realm 5 has done has been very good. Um, I really like what they've done with the Black Ops pack obviously landing in their realm. They've obviously coached them well, as you just said, Murph. 
and brought them along and, and they're targeting people with very little resistance, which is exactly what you'd want to see if you're Realm 5. And they've been pretty successful in terms of taking out their competition. So I think barring a few mistakes from their top fast attackers, they'd be in really good shape right now. But obviously, you know, nobody's perfect. Things happen. Um, and it's going to be an interesting road ahead, you know, when they try to fend off the converters. Obviously, having that ammo, you know, several Dominions who are capable of, of burning down their competitors is, is really useful. So it's going to be an interesting finish. Um, I'm in interested to see how all these different converting strategies work out. I think it was Mris who said in the uh, Open Dominion um, Discord, who he was really interested in seeing how these different converter strategies work out. I agree with him. Um, you know, when people added schools, when they added diamond mines, when they chose to convert, there's so many different possibilities. And I think the gameplay committee deserves a bit of credit for changing things the way they did. I don't love um, every change, obviously, but I think it's interesting and it's made the round interesting. And what and what's your feel about uh, the wonders? I don't love the place that the wonders are in. Um, you know, nobody went for any of them for a good while. Obviously, we everybody has one now, but um, it it still seems like the incentive to take them from another dominion is pretty from another realm. I should say is pretty low. Uh, I think the bonuses could be a bit stronger, and you know maybe the HP is moving in the right direction to be lower, but it just the trade-off there isn't isn't perfect in my mind, but I think we're moving in the right direction. What do you think, Rio? Why do you like the wonders? Yeah, I, I think I probably agree. There's not been much movement other than which we thought there would be, you know. Um, I don't think many have really kind of changed hands too much. Um, I think there was only really the, the halls of knowledge, which seemed to be just kind of like incidental, just doing something to kind of disrupt Realm 5, and I think there's maybe like a one or two others that have been changed hands, um, but there just doesn't seem to be much movement this round, which I was a little bit surprised about, so maybe um, maybe there is still a bit more work, maybe increasing the, um, say the, the bonuses that they give could be something. Um, I don't know. Um, yeah, they just, they just seem to be like good, Decent spot, but maybe still more needs to be done. Well, that's your biggest incentive, right? As if it's a bonus that's, uh, you know, worth your time and effort to take it, right? Then, you know, you're going to have more competition over whatever wonder is, is giving you that bonus that you want, right? So if you increase the bonuses, you're going to definitely have more people at least looking at taking wonders right so making them more competitive i would think right and i think the the how you know that there's a bit of a problem at least is that mostly when people look at whether or not to take a wonder yeah the bonus can be nice sometimes but a lot of times it's still about the prestige you get from taking it from another realm which i, I think that should be a secondary thing whereas if it's the primary bonus you get instead of the wonders actual bonus that's a bit of an issue I know we lowered it, right? So I think the max you get now is 75 prestige if you do 20% of the damage, and that damage has to be done by uh, troops, right? Right. Yeah, but even then, you know, just looking at the list of the wonders that are there right now, 
you know if you if you're investing troops to to take it you know like the the astral panopticon that it grants surreal perception you don't really need that you know if you really wanted that you can just cast the spell every 12 hours anyway as you know wizard academy 50 percent hostile spell damage if you're not being hit by anything um don't really need that one barracks housing it's great for a few like niche strats but you know again not really worth your time so a bunch of them just it's not that great they're not really worth going after other than just them being a nice to have yeah that astral one would just be straight up annoying to me at least right because i i have it set up so that you know you get the notifications every hour so i get an email you know on my phone you know every hour right so if I had that thing running 24-7, I'd probably have, you know, hundreds of emails, you know, in a day, right? So it just drive me nuts having that that wonder. So I, I hate that wonder. I will never get that thing ever. It You know, I would equate it to, like, dating a 18- or 19-year-old girl and her just texting you every minute of every day. You know, you're just like, listen, I need some time and space. Get out of here. I'm not going to touch that one because I, I I don't know when you last dated an 18 or 19 year old girl. Um, well, it's been a while, right? Because you know we're all in our 30s now, pretty much, right? So no, nothing recent. Okay, I'm glad you said that. What do you think about the? Uh, did we talk about bringing back any uh, like offensive power or defensive power wonders, or are you just quite happy that that's not really? ever coming back well you know i think the fountain of youth is uh is that one that could come in as well yeah that one's around and you know me i love the lair of the dragon right like i would push that thing to come back every day of the week but you know i don't have as much support but that's the one i would love to see come back because that was my favorite in classic i would always go out of my way to get that one well i think this goes back to actually the team sizes and growing the game right because if you have more people you can have larger teams and if you have larger teams, they can take wonders more easily. Um, and then if they can take wonders more easily, you can have stronger wonders in the game. So I, I know initially, when we first added wonders, people were concerned that the top pack would take the strongest wonder immediately and nobody else would be, really be able to take it from them. I think we've kind of gotten away from that and aren't as worried about that anymore. But that was the fear, and I think it was rightly, rightly founded and grounded. Um, so I think it's really... A benefit would be to grow the game, and we'd solve that problem as well, as along with along with several others. Yeah, although just on that point, I, I think you could argue that the, the halls of knowledge is the most powerful one, especially this round, and it has been held by the, the strongest realm, and nobody's really gone for it. Um, it's not sitting on crazy HP, but people are afraid or uh, just not willing to go after it. No, I, I absolutely invite anybody that wants to war us to go ahead and war us. Well, I would make sure that that would become a mutual war. I can guarantee you that. But even people that have been warred, had it declared on them, they've not done the, uh, they're not taken it from you. No. Well, that's because I think I explained it, right, is um, the firepower that we have just in the wizard ops alone is just substantial. It's the biggest out of all the realms i would i would guess right because you know that you have so much 
you know, mana towers, right? That, you know, good luck. If that's something you want to do, you're going to be, you know, you'll, it'll take you what, 36 hours, maybe 48 hours to get it from us. And I guarantee we'll take it back within 24 hours. Yeah. Well, that's the benefit of having a, a big team, right? Is that you can do that. And you're, if you're coordinated enough, you should be able to hold the wonder. But I think, you know, the incentive is just not there. The cost benefit analysis doesn't make sense to take a wonder if it's just not strong enough. But but I would also say that, you know, this wonder that we have, the halls of knowledge, it's kind of broken in the sense that you don't have to have any schools at all, but you're guaranteed to have, you know, 60 research points an hour. So, I mean, that's what we looked at. We're like, we're like, okay, well, do we need, do we need schools to have this thing? And they're like, we look at it and we're like, no, okay, well, it's basically like having free 60 buildings, right? 60 raw buildings, right? So we're like, okay, well, I guess that's probably the strongest wonder. So that's the one we should go after, really, you know? Yeah, exactly. And if you think about it, it's actually even more than 60 buildings. Because if you have, if you do have schools yourself, then you need more than 60 to produce that additional 60. So for anyone that's already got some uh, some schools, they're actually getting an even like, increased benefit from it. And that's really why we chose that one is because, and it really helped up our helped out our black ops guys, right? Because they wanted to go the black op route for the tech tree, right? So we're like, okay, well, how can we help you guys? You guys are going to be helping us a ton, you know. You're scratching our back. How can we help scratch your back, right? Okay, well, let's get this wonder. Great. Okay, and then you know it's also helping us, you know, attackers, right? Because it's helping us get to the attacking techs a lot quicker, right? So. Fundamentally speaking, this wonder is just, it's huge. It's great. I think the overarching story that I'm hearing from you, Murph, is that you've been getting propped up by these new guys. So I think you owe them all uh, a nice bottle of something at the end of the round. Oh, I think the the treat re- would really be if one of them won, you know? And that's kind of the treat. The cherry on top of Sunday here is if, you know, a brand spanking new guy that just walks in wins the round, right? Wouldn't that be a, a, an epic tale to tell, right? It would be great on one hand and embarrassing for a lot of us on the other. Yeah, absolutely, right? It'd be funny. Yeah, I mean, I can see it being a little embarrassing, but for them to win, they're going to have to play well from here, assuming they're a converter, which is a pretty good assumption. Um, so, I mean, it would be deserved if they end up pulling it off. So I, I wouldn't be super embarrassed because I would have known... You got some good players in the realm, obviously, so... And it's going to take skill from here to pull it off. Yeah, sometimes it comes down to, you know, having a good quarterback in that position, right? So I know for us, like, we just call this kind of that kind of position, we call it a pocket position, right? So you have your your fast attackers, right, which are your tips of the spear, right? And then you have converters or explorers, right, in your pocket positions, right? So if you can get your pocket positions into a situation where they're building, you know, let's say, you know, 30% less defense, right? Then you're going to speed up that process in which they come out of the pocket and then they become the, the tip of the spear, right? So that's really where you want. And that's something we haven't seen in a lot of these fast runaways is having a good player in the pocket position, right? Like we didn't, it was pretty much non-existent last round, right? Like, you know, I would say, you know, you had maybe Yami as a gnome, I think he was, right, last round, that he was just going too slow, though, right? So you kind of need something that's kind of medium speed that would be able to convert quickly and be useful, 
right, in that pocket position. You don't want something that's like a troll or a human where it just takes forever to get going, right? Yeah, and I think that's what you guys have done right. I think you're exactly right about people going with uh, too slow Australia. We, we've done it in the past where we've had someone very slow coming up, and they've just not had that protection from the people on top. So not really been um, a good combination. You definitely need somebody having a little bit of, like you'd like to say, medium speed or very able to convert, be one of the early converting races for it to actually get the full benefit of that whole realm position. Yeah, because if you don't, right, then you just have a big disconnect, right? There's a void there between your fast guys and your guys that are really far in the back. And right, so the closer you can close that void, the better it is for that medium speed race because they're going to benefit it from the word go because they're converting at the same time, if not faster than the people that are currently converting, right? So all of their numbers get sped up. They just have to build say 30% less defense, right? So their economies are going to be stronger. Exactly, yep. That sounds ominous. Well, we are at war right now, right? Yeah, I'm just waiting for someone to actually fight back. Well, you know, there's been, there's that one realm, I think it was turntables realm, realm four, that fought back. And then we just said, okay, great, yeah, take it. And then we retook it back. But in terms of offensive power fighting back early, it's just been impossible so far. But, you know, as the converters start to come online in the next couple days, right, then, yeah, they'll have the potential to fight back with uh, an offensive strategy. But, you know, <laughs> you better have all your buildings on lockdown for what we can do to you if you want to go that route, right? Because we just have a lot of options Right, a lot of tools in the toolbox. I'll say. I think we shall have to see. Still, lots of round left, so it's going to be interesting to see if you uh, if you can actually finish this one off. Uh, how would I give you my guarantee? This is a one hundred percent. We're going from zero to yes. You guessed it. There's a one hundred percent guarantee that round five will win this round. One hundred percent. The Murph Less. guarantee. I don't know if you've had like a guarantee this early, but. I have every confidence in the ability of everybody in this realm to step up to the plate and do what's necessary to get the win at this point. And I think, I think it's safe to call, you know, I'm not saying who's going to win in here, but you know, you have a couple choices, right? Maybe an explorer, maybe a converter, maybe the attacker, right? But one of those folks is definitely going to get it guaranteed. Well, I'll tell you this first, I would have a lot more confidence in your realm winning if you weren't in it. <laughs> oh yeah why is that you know you just have a tendency of, of getting these great positions and then doing something stupid well if you're talking about the last time with the goblin against gothia there i uh you know i didn't get a thousand acres fed to me right but you know why you didn't do that because you were doing something stupid at the time <laughs> Uh yeah. No, it was it was the right time to do it. It's just you know, and we're talking so sly if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about me transitioning off hobgoblins to go more of a pure wolf rider build for, for the goblin Danae. But it, it basically at the exact time that I basically, you know, changed gears to go into that more efficient troop is when uh this whole thing kicked off and you know 
the Bulgarians thought they were giving me the round by by giving uh, you know a thousand plus acres to to Gothia and uh, Oment. I think I Rio, you weren't even really a part of that, were you? You're just kind of like looking in, spectating. I was uh, I was teching that round, so I was way behind. Right, right, right. So, so yeah. I mean, that's nothing I really did there. It was just, you know, they thought that there was the best move at the time for, I guess, me, but it really didn't work out that way. I remember there being some justification from them about the hit trading that clearly benefited Eric instead of them. I do remember that. Um, so some questionable decision-making there. There's always some questionable decision-making, right? Um, maybe you could explain some of Calvin's decision-making. Because I think he probably shouldn't have gone and hit this round, but he has. So, I don't know, Murph, does that uh, take any responsibility for that? I can say for one of those hits, so we can talk about the Iron Man hit specifically, is I said to him, you know, I went to bed and I said, hey, remember Iron Man. He's close. I think he can bonus into your range, right? Be careful about your send if you're going to be sending. And... When I went to bed, right, so the send happens like, you know, four or five hours after I go to bed. So I wasn't aware of a send actually happening at all that night, right? I wasn't told, wasn't discussed, nothing. The send came out of nowhere in the morning. So, you know, when I woke up and I saw what had happened, I was like, you got to be kidding me. Where did this come from? Like I had literally just said, watch out for that guy. And then what does he do? Just, you know, goes tits up, feeds, feeds the whole community a bunch of acres, right? So yeah, there's that. But I mean, on your way to the top slide, right, you're gonna have people that are gonna want to suicide you, right? Get get a piece of that glory hole for themselves, right? But at the end of the day, you can't operate a fast attacking dominion, uh, trying to defend everybody's suicide, right? You would just it would be too slow. So sometimes on your way to the top, right, you're just gonna cop a feel. And that's just the reality of it. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think you can defend everybody's suicide. But I think, you know, just not to disagree completely, but, you know, once you have control of the round like you guys had, I do think you can kind of slow down and play more efficient. So that was kind of curious about the decision making there when he really wouldn't have had to wait very long to be safe, I don't think. Uh, but maybe you guys had a different perspective and had some more information that I didn't have. And I'm not sure that was the only person who could have hit him, actually, but maybe not. Well, that's why they say greed's a sin, right? And I woke up and I was like, well, well, that's what you get. And you stick your hand in the cookie jar, you know, too often, right? It gets slammed in there. So, you know, I said, moving forward, we're going to have a seatbelt approach where, you know, these decisions aren't made when everybody's sleeping, right? We're going to sit down. We'll discuss things better, have more collaborative effort on how to get this done and get the win in, right? So, yeah, moving forward, we've addressed the concerns that have happened already and you know, hopefully we're looking for more efficiencies out of that, right? All right, guys, I'm just thinking, uh, looking at the time right now, uh, coming towards the end of the show, have you, uh, either of you guys got any more to uh, to add before we, uh, we close things down? Huh? No, I think we touched on a lot, and I think there there's a lot of little goodies for people to digest in this episode, right? So I don't want to overfeed anybody, right? You got you to gotta wait. The next episode to get a couple more little goodies and a slide. Yeah, we touched on a lot of good stuff. Um, it's been great being here. Hopefully, everybody is able to tune in and give us some feedback on what they thought about what we said in the episode and 
continue to have a great uh, discourse about what we should do in the future and make those things happen, create a plan and make it happen. Excellent. Well said. Okay, guys, uh, in that case, I think we'll uh, we'll call it there. And uh, thanks for joining. Murph, as ever, always a pleasure. And Sly, really appreciate all your, uh, all your input today. So uh, thanks for thanks coming for along. Yeah, it's been a great episode. Thanks for coming out, Sly. My pleasure, guys. Thank you. All right. Till next time. Yeah.